BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Alexei! Yes! 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 History! A perfect game by Mark Burley! Hey everyone, Chuck Garfine here with Ryan McGuffey. Welcome to a special edition of the White Sox Talk podcast. We're actually calling it the Ode to Mark Burley podcast. Yes, yes. As you have probably heard the White Sox announce today, they will be retiring Burley's jersey, number 56, on June the 24th before the White Sox play the A's. And literally two minutes, okay, three minutes after the news came out, Guff, I texted you and I said, we need to do a Mark Burley podcast. And I, 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 my response was something like, no-brainer. I mean, look, he's, he's not just a favorite among fans. He's a favorite amongst everyone. White Sox employees, media. us in the media, uh, fans. The guy rubbed everyone in the right way in terms of how to deal with people, how to show you, you know, that it's not, to have fun with life, to have fun with, with your job. And he made our job fun. And we have stories on and off the field that we'll share here in the next yeah. you know, several minutes. And, it, look, it, there's no one that deserves it more than Mark Burley to have yeah. his number hanging on the outfield wall. He, or Actually, now it's not in the outfield it's wall. It's in uh, behind home yeah, plate. behind home plate. Well, he was drafted in the 38th round in 1998. Just, you know, there's so much flavor to his mm-hmm. career when you hear, okay, yeah, 38th round. He went on to become one of the most popular and most beloved players in Sox history. He'll be the 12th White Sox player to have his jersey retired. So we have a whole lot of Mark Burley stories to share, and you listening are going to hear a whole lot of stories from Mark himself. In 2011, I taped an interview with him for the show Inside Look here at CSN. Instead of of doing the typical sit-down interview, we sat side-by-side in a conference room, (laughs) played the top moments of his Sox career on a big video screen in front of us, and I got his reaction to what he was seeing, and we covered it all. Perfect game, no-hitter, World Series, and so many of the crazy things that happened during his career, which we're going to get to in a moment. Before we do, though, give me a, one of your favorite Burley stories. My first encounter with Mark Burley okay. was January of 2002 at the Hyatt at SoxFest. Back then, I was working for Fox Sports Chicago. I just kind of entered this business. And we were at the bar. And I saw Mark, a young Mark Burley, very young Mark Burley, and Gary Glover, an old White Sox <laughs> You know, six starter slash long man in the bullpen. And I was like, you know what? I'm done working. I was with work people. I was like, I'm going to go over there and like, see if, sit down and have a beer or whatever. And I basically just introduced myself. I was like, hey, guys, I'm a, I work for Fox Sportsnet, but I just want to see if I have a drink or something. So Burley pulls up a stool. I was like, sit down. Well, at 2.30 in the morning, the lights came on in the bar. And we had been sitting there for hours. I mean, this was like 10.30 when I originally approached them. And this is at Soxfest. This is at Soxfest. I mean, this is Mark this was, Burley. He hadn't been made a name for himself yet, but this was at White's. This was at Soxfest. This was the year. What year is this? This was 2002. Uh, Burley was leaving early Soxfest because 
the Rams were playing the very heavily favored under the very uh, underdogged, if that's a word, New England Patriots and a young Tom Brady oh. who had never been in a Super Bowl. So this is 2002? 2000, January oh, so, yeah, People knew who he was. Yeah, yeah, he had yeah. one. I think he had coming off that 19 win season. Yeah, he's yeah. hanging out at the bar at or Sox the 16 Fest and 8 season. 16, 16 wins. Eight. Yeah, and yeah, I mean he was, he had one great season. Yeah, and I was just like, yeah, whatever. I just looked over. They were hanging out. We they told we told all kinds of stories, <laughs> but it felt like immediately I'm like, who is this guy? Like he's fun. And it ended, and obviously we had had some beverages. It ended in hugs. It was like, hey, Gary Glover's like, if you're ever down by the bullpen, stop by and say hi. Like it just was funny. And that story sticks with me now. It's 15 years ago. Yeah. And obviously everything that Mark Burley, you know, brought to the franchise afterwards was just piled on and on and on. I mean, we have stories that will continue, but that's one of, that, that was my first encounter with Mark Burley, and it makes all kinds of sense now. So one of my favorite Burley stories, I'm not sure how many people know this, he had his bachelor party. <laughs> and all his friends came to U.S. Cellular Field, and they were in a suite. And Mark was pitching. <laughs> this was amazing. I wish this was caught on camera. He was pitching. <laughs> and in between innings, what happens? Everyone in the suite, they see a guy walk into the suite. It's Mark Burley. <laughs> he came up in between innings, went to the suite in his uniform, and says, hey, everybody, what's going on? And his, all, his entire bachelor party freaked out. That there is Burley during a game. That he's pitching. That he's pitching in. Like, that's the thing. He's pitching. <laughs> How much like, time do you have to actually do this? He had to, I guess he had one or two security guards go up there with him. I mean, I wasn't there. I've just heard the story. And this is what Mark <laughs> Burley did. And that, in a nutshell, is, is Mark Burley. Why, and why we love this man so yeah. much. Okay, so, and by the way, this I think it finally means he's retired. We were wondering if he yeah. didn't retire or not. They're retiring his jersey. It's official. It's official. He's retiring. Uh, whether he's filed the paperwork, yeah, it's a formality. Okay. And also coming up on this podcast, we're going to talk to Mark Burley's dad, John Burley, who uh, is going to tell some great stories, I'm sure, because he's got a great relationship with him. So that's coming up as well. So here we go. Our first segment from uh, this uh, interview with Mark Burley. He talks about his first major league game. His uh, tradition of sliding on the tarp during rain delays and something that happened in 2005 that kind of gets lost in history. He had pitched six innings or more in 49 consecutive games. And in typical Burley fashion, the craziest thing happened as he tried to get to 50 straight games with six innings or more. But we begin by talking about his beginning as a White Sox player and looking back on his whole career. Well, Mark, the odds of making the major leagues is like one in a million, and yet you didn't just make the major leagues. You pitched a no-hitter. You pitched a perfect game. You won a World Series. You ever, even to this day, pinch yourself and say to yourself, I can't believe I accomplished all this? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, every day I try to have as much fun as I can because obviously knowing where you come from, you know, it's a dream to get to, to Major League Baseball, obviously, and um, you know, you just try to have as much fun and go out there and enjoy it because obviously you don't know how long it's going to last. You don't know how long you're going to be here. Uh, Health-wise, teams might not want you, so you just try to try to have as much fun as you can each day and uh, realize that there's a lot of kids out there that want to be in my shoes. So you grew up in St. Charles, Missouri. You went to high school. Sophomore year, you try out for the baseball team. What happened? He gone. <laughs> uh, actually, freshman and sophomore year, I got cut. Uh, I came down to the very last cuts, and uh, I didn't mature till late, so I was a small kid. Um, Rumor had it 
Uh, actually, a good friend of mine, his name is Mark Bauer. Um, so whenever they went to do uh, the checklist of, you know, the coach would say, hey, put, put a check mark by this guy, you know, he did something good. They just had Mark B and Mark B. So, so rumor had it, suppose it came down to he made the team, I didn't. And they said at the, at the end of the day, they said they got everything mixed up. But, uh, yeah, I got cut and pretty much was going to give up on baseball. And mom and dad said, listen, we didn't, we didn't raise a quitter. We want you to go out for one more year. And I uh, said, look, I didn't make my freshman and sophomore years, which are the easier teams. I'm not going to make varsity team. Um, so I went out for my junior year and made the team, and here I am. Did that motivate you more by you missing those two <clears throat> years and getting cut? No, I think I, I told everybody jokingly, I think it just added two more years on the end of my career. Um, those two years <laughs> I didn't throw in high school, uh, you know, all those innings uh, you throw in high school. But, I mean, I still played summer ball in between. Um, but, yeah, it would have been nice to, to play those two years. But, uh, you know, I didn't mature till late, and I was a small kid. wasn't throwing very hard, so it, uh, they didn't see anything there. The White Sox drafted you in 1998, 38th round. But you say there's more to that story. It's a little misleading. Yeah, it's kind of the whole thing started off. I, didn't, I never talked to the White Sox. Uh, you know, from when you're playing in junior college, you know, you go to these like little camps and uh, a bunch of scouts come over and have you fill out these little index cards, just, just personal information, and never once talked to the White Sox. Uh, then I get drafted by them. I didn't even know. My cousin actually called me and said, hey, congrats, you know, White Sox picked you, huh? I said, what are you talking about? Um, and then find out that our coach at uh, Jeffco, Dave Oster, I guess he's cut what they call a mini scout, and he kind of keeps an eye out for guys. And if he thinks, hey, this guy has potential, he'll call somebody right above him, and then it just kind of goes up the ladder, and, and that's that's what happened. But yeah, 38th round, um, and you know, they said if I'd have went back into the draft the following year, I went to, went back to school. Um, they said if I'd have went back into the draft, they said projected third to fifth rounder uh, that next year. But uh, you know, the White Sox signed me before I had that chance. All right, so we have assembled the greatest hits of your career. Are you ready to walk down memory lane and take a look back? Hopefully it's short. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be good. All right. Let's do it. All right, July 19th, 2000. This is your first Major League start, first Major League win. What do you remember about this day? Stone gas back then. Uh, The biggest thing I remember is coming out uh, after the game. I had so much family up there. Uh, And one was my grandpa, which has since passed, but... uh, I had to get dressed up. That was our rookie hazing, and uh, had to get dressed up. So first time, could not seeing grandma and grandpa and brothers and aunts and uncles. Everybody was out there. I, I was dressed up in a in an outfit. It wasn't too bad of an outfit, so I was thankful. What was the outfit? It was just, it was more of like a '70s outfit. I had like a silk shirt on and it's like bell-bottom pants. Like if I, of all the of all the people that had to get dressed up, I I got lucky and had like the best the best gear. <laughs> when you started your career. What were your expectations? What were your hopes as a major league pitcher? How far did you think you could actually take this thing? You don't, I don't know if you really plan or think of anything. I think you just want to try to stay here as long as you can and get out. Um, if you would have said when I came up that I've been here, you know, in Chicago for 12 seasons and done everything I've done, I would have kind of called BS on you. But, uh, I mean, you just want to go out there and, and each, each outing just, just pitch good, try to, try to win, and, and you'll try to stay here. All right, so two years later, you're back in Minnesota going for your 20th win. You've got the lead. Two to one, two outs. What happened here? That. <laughs> Bobby Kilty. Yep, he got me. AJ still wears me out. Todd Ritchie went in and uh, got a bottle of Dom Perignon, I guess, right before you know those innings and said, hey, you know, can we get this for him in case he wins 20? And AJ, was, I don't know if he wasn't playing or what, but he was up in the clubhouse and heard about it. He's, he still wears me out to this day. But, yeah, I mean, it was obviously we were battling. 
had it till the end of the game, and that was that was the opportunity just wasted right there. And that was your last start of the season. You couldn't get 20 wins. Did that burn you at all, or did you say, "Who cares"? No, I don't think it. Kind of, who cares? I think it sucked. Obviously, we lost the game, but I wasn't really thinking that. Um, you know, or that that young in your career, you don't really think it. You know, it's a big deal, and you think hopefully I have another chance at it. But uh, now that now here, 12 years later, I guess 10 years later from this, that you look back at it and and see how hard it is, it is to get to even close to that. So yeah, now, now it hurts a little bit more knowing that I could have had a chance. Sorry about that. Uh, but AJ says that, so he's playing for the Twins, he says that he had heard that you guys had champagne in the clubhouse ready to celebrate. Was that what that was about? And no, they were all kind of pumped up by that? No, no, I think Don Perry, he, Todd Ritchie went over and just got a bottle of Don Perry on for me to con say congrats okay. on 20 wins. He still gave it to me and just said, you know, hey, you, you had a heck of a year, but this was, it was really intended to be for my 20th win. Got it. Now your favorite pastime, sliding on the tarp. How did this begin with you? I don't Why know. did you start doing this? Just the kid coming out in me, I guess. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, I think every little kid in your backyard, you're sliding, you know, you're playing in the water and you get your slip and slide in the backyard and play. And uh, it's just, it's, it's a blast. I mean, it's so much fun. Obviously, uh, can't, can't do it anymore, which is, uh, which is understandable, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a blast. So did Kenny Williams at some point <laughs> say to you, no more? Yeah, we kind of, we got in kind of back and forth, and he, he, I guess he told me not to do it, and then I did it again, which obviously I didn't know he told me I couldn't do it anymore, uh, and then there were some fines that were going to be thrown out, so I said, all right, look, it's, I had fun, but uh, I won't do it anymore, and I think it was kind of interesting because I had a couple fans, uh, a couple people actually bought me like kid slip and slides. Uh, to, to, to have in the backyard and do just kind of, I guess, as a joke. But, uh, yeah, it was, I don't know, it was just, just something to love doing. Are you doing it now with your kids in your backyard? Uh, not to slip inside. We, they're, they're old enough to get in the pool and uh, just, just play around, but I definitely will get them out and, and slip inside. Might have to do it again before my career is over. You never know. I think you might have to do it. Just one last two, Rob, but uh, I'll have to talk to Kenny first. All right, 2004, you guys win 83 games. You start the season opener in 05. Did you have any idea, any idea that this team could be as good as it turned out to be? Uh, I mean, yeah, opening day, because everybody likes their chances on, on paper. Um, but obviously, you got to play the, play the season out, and you don't know what injuries you're going to go through. But um, no, I mean, I think obviously we had a, we had a good team and accomplished the, the goal that everybody wanted to, to accomplish. Um, but I don't know if you would have said at the beginning of the year that you know, we were going to win the World Series. I said, you know, I like our chances, but. It's a long season, a lot of stuff has to happen. A lot of things did happen. You guys seem to have not just talent, but luck and breaks. How much does that play into I it? I think it's huge. I think there's so many games that we would win, uh, bad bad bounce, it wouldn't even be an error, just you know, hit a piece of dirt or something, we'd win the game. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how many times we looked up there at the scoreboard and you know, we're winning one nothing or two nothing in the in the fourth inning, uh, and we have no hits. Like pods would get on base. Walker, you know, hit by pitch, and he'd steal two bases, sack fly. We're up one nothing with uh, with no hit. So, I just think everything everything played out. Uh, I think that stuff has to happen to to win a championship. You have to have a lot of stuff go your way. Are you started 2005 personally? You were 10 and one. You started the All Star game that season. What did that mean for you? Not just making the All Star team. This is your second time, but you started the game and you won it too. Well, obviously, I I got a break because uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody got hurt. Um, Actually, I think it was Holiday. He was hurt at the time. He should have started. Um, but you know, it's it, just to, just to start an All Star game. Obviously, I mean, it's one of those things that just to make an All Star team uh, and be able to pitch in one. But just to go out there and start with the with the best players in the world, it was it was an awesome experience. And obviously, not knowing at the time, but we won the game, and that helped us out for home field advantage for the World Series. August first, two thousand five. 
you had gone 49 consecutive games pitching at least six innings. Now, a little backstory here. You and the Orioles, things are a little testy with you. You've gone five and two-thirds. You're facing B.J. Surhoff. Roll tape. Watch out. Oh, come on. What are you doing? You've got to be kidding me. What are you doing, Brian Gorman? Are you nuts? <laughs> are you nuts? Hawk didn't like this. What did you think about this? Again, I think I was so shocked. Oh, look, there's my friend. <laughs> Joe West. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Uh, I, I think I was just so shocked. I've never been tossed out of a game, so I didn't, didn't even really know what to do. But um, obviously, it did suck that the, the streak ended. But uh, you know, I was told to go out and do something, and uh, you know, I tried to do it the best I could. And actually, uh, if if he wouldn't have moved, I, I think I would have missed him because he, when he when he moved, he put his back arm, and that's where I hit him. So if he like stood there, I, I think I would have missed him. So did that come from Ozzy to? Hit him, or was yeah, it I mean, it came from the team. Obviously, like you said, stuff was going on. We got hit a couple times, I think. Uh, you know, they said, "Hey, something needs to be taken care of," and that's that's the time. You know, two outs, guy on. Um, that was the time to do it. Had to be done. So, how crazy is that? It makes you know, it's insane because I remember watching that game. They were in Baltimore, and Hawk, of course, flipped out. And I think he actually yelled for Joe West. Joe West wasn't behind the plate, but he he wanted Joe West to take control of the game, and. The, the flip side of that is Mark Burley's protecting his teammates at the same time. Yes. And that, that's, again, that's Mark Burley. He didn't not, care about his – Didn't care about 50 straight games, yeah. you know, six innings. I mean, I, that's not the last thing on his mind when he's at five and two-thirds. It just happened to be that he's a third of an inning away from this streak. And I just wrote that down. 50 straight games with six innings or more. Well, it was 49. I know. Yeah. But, like, 49 straight games with six innings or more. That's think a about that in today's Think about that in today's game with, like, these – Middle like Andrew Miller. If Andrew Miller is, you know, behind Mark Burley today, Mark Burley is not going 49 times at six innings. No yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah. And it's crazy. So, before we go to break here, I, when I started working here in 2004, we, we got in the same fantasy league. Yeah. And every year, <laughs> I could never draft Mark Burley because <laughs> Ryan McGuffey always got him. You always got Burley on your team. Well. I overdrafted him. All the time. I <laughs> on know. Per- on I'm purpose. Like, it's the sixth round. I can't take Burley. Well, I was always satisfied, though. Like, <laughs> it never let me down. Like, I knew exactly what I was getting. And the O2 story at the Soxfest bar, like, I walked away that day going, I already liked Paul Canerco. Now, I'm like, this Burley guy's pretty cool, too. So, if I can't get Canerco every year, like, I won't overdraft Canerco, but I'll overdraft Mark Burley because other people will hopefully forget about him. It wasn't long before Mark Burley was. People knew about who he yeah. was. They had him marked. Every, you weren't the only guy that had Mark Burley marked going into drafts. I wanted him, but I could never get him. <laughs> Coming up here on the White Sox Talk podcast, we're going to talk with Mark about the 2005 playoffs, the four complete games in a row in the ALCS, the White Sox winning the World Series, and how many drinks did he have? When he came on to pitch in game three, that is next. It's sports. It's social. It's viral. It's Luke Stuckmeyer and Layla Rahimi, and it's the Next Generation Sports Show. In the Loop, every night at 630, 10, and 1030 on CSN Chicago. And as soon as the show ends, turn to Facebook Live for the after show. All right, we're back on the Ode to Mark Burley podcast 
By the way, individual game tickets go on sale March 3rd for the Burley Retirement Game. It's also going to be on CSN, so if you don't get tickets, obviously it'll be televised. Right. We're lucky enough to have it. If Slever. you are a season ticket yeah. holder or group sales, you can actually get tickets now. now. Yeah, there's a lot of packages out there that yeah. would allow you to include the June 24th game. Right. So uh, I'd say get them quick because if it's going to be as popular as the Paul Canerco oh, Jersey yeah. Retirement, and that was a special day too. All right, so now we've got to, not a, oh God, do we get to talk about 2005. So that was our first year as a network at CSN, <laughs> and it was, it was my first year back in Chicago. Yep. And my, one of my first assignments covering, working here was I covered the Bulls the first winter, and then I was assigned to cover the White Sox. And April 16th, 2005, I was assigned to cover a White Sox game that Burley was pitching. And that was the game when Burley went nine innings, Gave up three hits, all three hits to Ichiro. Mm -hmm. Sox won two to one. The game took an hour and 39 minutes. That is, That has to be the quickest game not only in Burley history but in baseball of the last 20 years. It's definitely. I could actually confirm. It's the first game under 100 minutes since 1984. It's the, wow. only, it's the only game since 1984 under 100 minutes. That game. So and I don't remember. And I don't think. I mean, I don't. As baseball tries to speed up the game, I don't see anyone doing that. No. I mean, that's going to stand for a while. For a while. And I can't, I don't have a great memory. I mean, I remember some things. I vividly remember after the game interviewing Mark because it was so insane that the game <laughs> took an hour and 39 minutes. And I'm like, you know, what are you going to do now? You gave everyone the afternoon off because it's like 2.30 and we yep. all are done with our day. And he said, I'm going to go home, barbecue, and have a few drinks. Yeah. And it's funny. I was at that game, and we, as we were talking about, you know, when we sat down for this, we were comparing notes, and we, we were either at these games, working these games, or, or collectively, like you and I have seen pretty much all the Burley moments. I was at that game. I remember sitting just off a of home plate, and I, I was with a buddy. And I'm like, oh, this will be a, we'll, we'll crack a few. We'll have a good time. We'll be here for three, three and a half hours. Or Burley's case, two and a half hours. Yeah. I was not – I was halfway through my second beer when <laughs> the vendor comes by and says, last call. And it's like – well, what the hell? So then you had to actually go, well, by the time I get that beer, like, we'll be over. Like, I won't finish that in time. We'll just save up. Two beer. It was a two-beer game. Mark Burley's hour 39-minute game was a two-beer game. So it was great for some people, <laughs> awful for beer drinkers and beer vendors. But if you appreciate baseball Mark Burley, it was fantastic. And it, now as time has gone by, you realize how special that game yeah. was. And he had several games under two hours, but, but that was one. The other nugget in that game that's great is all three hits he gave up were by each row, as you yeah. said. The two runs were both solo homers by Paul Canerco. <laughs> <laughs> Can't write this It's like stuff. a three-man game. Burley, right. Canerco, each row. Oh, that's awesome. So here is uh, our discussion about the 2005 season. And for the record, in the interview, I asked him about how much he drank before coming on in 2005 in, the, in Game 3 of the World Series yep. and getting the save. He gave an incredible answer. But this was while he was playing for the White Sox. And, and I get it. The White Sox did not want that to be airing. We should have saved this clip. I don't know where it is, but he gave an answer. It's not here, but he talked all about how, yeah, he had a few drinks. You guys won 99 games in 05. You beat the Red Sox in the division series. This is you guys in the ALCS. Complete game for you. The first of four. Could you believe this was happening? You guys throw out four starters and you all go the distance. I think as it was happening, I mean, you, you knew what was going on, but you didn't really pay attention. Um, but yeah, I, I think 
anytime you go four complete games, even if it's in a regular season, you know, four complete consecutive uh, complete games, I think that's that's a great feat. Um, obviously, in, in the playoffs, I don't think it's ever. I don't know if it's ever happened. If it has, it's been a while. But yeah, it's we were just all on a, on a, on a hot stretch, and uh, you know things worked out. But yeah, it was. It was pretty impressive to watch. The last time that happened in the playoffs was the 1956 Yankees. After you won this series and you went and played Houston, did you almost have that feeling of nobody can beat us? Yeah, I mean, I think the whole playoffs, I mean, it seemed from the get-go how, how hot we were with Boston. Um, you know, we beat them up pretty good the first two games and then, you know, went to Boston. That's when, uh, you know, Duque got out of that jam. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I mean, it was almost kind of seemed like it was going to happen no matter what. But... Obviously, going to, to play Houston, they had a good pitching staff. We knew we were in for, in for a battle. But, uh, you know, again, everything went our way. All right, World Series, game two, you're on the mound. Were you nervous, more nervous than ever for this match? No, I think before – I get nervous before every start, you know, no matter who it is, how big of the game. It could be the last game of the year where it doesn't matter. Um, I, I think leading up to it, you know, sitting at home on the couch, you, you're thinking about it more. Uh, you get a lot more nervous. But once I get to the field and I'm around the guys and kind of in the clubhouse, I don't think about it at all. People forget that in game two, the one you pitched, that was the game that Canerco hit the grand slam. Pods hit the walk-off home run. You were almost a forgotten man in that game, huh? It's fine with me. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, if I can go, go about every game like that, uh, just go out there and make your pitches and, and we win the game and they're going to be other people, that's fine. But, you know, obviously I didn't pitch the best. You know, I gave up four or five runs that game. We were just... Uh, you know, offense was hot, and we got some key hits at the right time, and uh, we won the game. What was it like in the dugout when Pods hit the walk-off? Um, I think surprised and shocked. Uh, I think he had one all season, or maybe none, and all of a sudden he hits one. Uh, and it was just when, obviously when it happened, you know, he hits it, and you're kind of like, wait, that, that might have a chance to get out of here. If it was somebody else that hit it, you'd think, all right, that's a home run. But when Pesednik hit it, you're kind of like, all right, it's, it's going to be a deep fly ball. But, uh, you know, obviously you sit there and watch the ball and watch the outfielders, and and seeing it get out of here was awesome. You threw 100 pitches, and then two days later, they bring you on in the 14th inning of game three. What were you doing when they asked you, hey, can you come on and maybe get a save for us? Well, I, I think I was the one that kind of was bugging Coop. You know, as the game went along, close game, and we used, we used a couple guys, you know, for a third of an inning here and there, and, uh, you know, kind of looked down the bullpen and realized there was only like one guy left. So start going over to Coop and saying, hey, you think you need me? He's like, no. Okay, next thing you go. I asked him for like three consecutive innings. I, th I think it was just finally he's like, just get out of my hair. Yeah, go down there. So when I got my cleats on, uh, put the jersey on, went down, and not thinking they'd use me. And obviously got down to the 14th inning, Marte, uh, I think through the inning before that, and he said, hey, he's going to face a couple guys here, uh, you know, start getting up and getting loose. And it's probably the most nervous and most uh, numb that I've been getting loose in the bullpen. Like, I don't even really remember it. And then obviously when that phone rang, uh, opening up the door to run in, all I remember is there's two groups there's a family section and a friend section at the stadium of all White Sox employees and family. And as I'm running in, that's all I can hear is a couple of cheers. And uh, just, I don't even really remember running in, but I remember facing Adam and I said, you know, it's, uh, we were up, up by two runs and he, if he hits this thing out, uh, you know, it's short porch out there in left field and if he hits this thing out, it ain't going to be good. So when he called a cutter, I knew I had to make sure I got it in there pretty good. And here it is, the next day, you beat the Astros 1-0, the White Sox first World Series title in 88 years. Did this seem like a dream? Did it feel like a dream? Yeah, because you don't really, as it's going on, you don't really know what the heck to do or where to go. Um, obviously, I think we all wish we could have done it in Chicago. I've seen papers and clippings and 
some some news news articles and stuff. Uh, you know how how crazy the city was going, but uh, yeah, I mean it's I don't know. Wow, just amazing feeling. I actually got a picture of me. I don't even know where I got it, but I was running out of the dugout and I was jumping in the air with arms and arms in the air, and I I didn't know I could jump that high. I was, I was pretty high <laughs> off the ground. Um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. Let the party begin. Yeah. What was the party like? <clears throat> Actually, it was kind of disappointing because uh, we flew out. We had to fly out that next morning to come back to Chicago, and the game was so late. Uh, you know, it was like we went in the hotel, and in, in the clubhouse. Obviously, that party was fun. I think everybody was wanting to go continue, and uh, everything was closed down. There's nothing, nothing really there. So we went back to the hotel. And I remember sitting in the hotel room with my wife, and uh, I think there was maybe a couple guys. We were all just kind of hanging out, you know, families, and it was kind of like that's it, like. It's time to go to bed. I mean, we had to get up early and fly back uh, to Chicago, so you really didn't want to stay out too late. But it was it was just kind of it was a, a r- abrupt ending. We captured you dousing Jerry Reinsdorf with a no, beer. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, we no. have it. You did it. You did it. We caught it. <laughs> maybe that's why I got a contract extension. Maybe <laughs> maybe uh, he didn't he didn't mind it too bad. If he minded, I might might not have been here for this long. You I mean, it <clears throat> takes a lot of nerve to do that to the chairman. You, but do you have yeah, that kind of relationship? No, I mean, I, I think mean, it's just in the moment, and everybody's getting sprayed down, so why not him? He's, he's a big part of this team, and obviously he's the, the man in charge, so, you know, what the heck, why not? So that was uh, incredible to be in the clubhouse. I was actually right there with photographer Mike Capozzo when Burley mm-hmm. just took all this beer and just poured it on Jerry Reinsdorf. That whole 2005 postseason was surreal, and but that was, like, the zenith of it all for me. Yeah, I thought the whole thing was surreal just because, as you mentioned earlier, 05 being kind of our first year here at CSN and all of us kind of coming back and starting off. I mean, I'd spent 34 days in spring training. Yeah. 24 of which were with the White Sox. So I, it was like this intimate, like you become, after, after the, you know, as spring training goes, after week one, it's kind of like you're with everybody else. As two weeks go by and three weeks go by, they're like, oh, okay, you're one of us. And so it just, for that to carry all the way out to like that moment, that beer shower with Jerry. And we all have, we have this great picture with Jerry on the mound with the World Series trophy yeah. and those of us who were there with CSN. I feel like that to me was like the punctuation mark. I remember that beer because I was running tapes in the clubhouse past you guys, and I was like, wow, that's a pretty cool moment. But that picture, just I could close my eyes right now and remember not just the picture but the night yeah. and kind of like the exclamation point to just an incredible storybook run. I kind of wish it was not in 2005. Yeah, I, I wish it was like 2008, 2009, yeah. this year, whatever <laughs> it is, just because it would happen so fast. It was our, I, I was just kind of getting my feet wet with you know, coming back to Chicago is where I'm from, yeah. and we're on the air, and the West Sox won the World Series. It was, like, but it was so quick, I couldn't catch my breath. Yeah, I know. it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I think I'm kind of with you, but at the same time, I'm like, it was so much fun yeah. and so unexpected yeah. that the journey and the ride was so fun. And you didn't know, you actually had no idea when it was going to end, if yeah. it was going to get to the World Series. It, just, it was so foreign to Chicago. You know, Cup fans know that, they just went through. But the Cup fans saw 05, too. So it was so, like, the World Series prior to 05 was the Crosstown Classic. Yeah. That was the World Series. Yeah. And so it was, yeah. Mark Burley was obviously a huge part of that. Quick Burley story before we go to break. 2008 blackout game. Oh, yeah. So before the game, I'm talking to him, not on camera, and he says he called the Twins. Can I swear on this? Yeah. I can? Yes. I can swear on a podcast. Yeah, we can beep it out. Oh, then we got to beep it out. <laughs> Depends on what you say. I, okay. Yes. He called it's a podcast. Them, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to beep it out. I'm just going to say what uh, – he, he called them – 
S-H-I-T heads. Oh, I remember that. He called them that. Yeah. And I don't think he said it. I don't know if he said it on camera. No, he I remember it because you told me. Okay. So he, he called them that. So the game ends. I'm on the field interviewing him. I don't know why I did it, but I go to him. <laughs> I ask him on camera, what did you call the twins? I thought he would say, well, I'm not, I can't say it right here. But no, he said, oh, yeah, I called them S-H-I-T heads. Yeah. Well, that's Burley, though. <laughs> when, did, when, when was Mark Burley ever reserved or yeah. – he, what he said was what he said. I mean, yeah. that was who he was. Right. He was kind of, and he treated everybody kind of, I mean, I know that in the clubhouse versus what we saw all the time was different. I mean, he was a teammate, so he right. protected the clubhouse, the sanctity of the clubhouse. But for the most part, like, you were one of his, us. He was one of us, yeah. well, vice versa. Like, we were one of them. He was one of us. And he treated that way. I mean, you know, I was in the, their NCAA tournament. But I was walking yeah. by one day, and I told you this earlier. He's like, hey. McGuffey, are you in this? And I was like, what? And it's like, it's a bracket. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, it was 20 bucks. I was like, well, yeah. I mean, I'm in the, the White Sox bracket. And I remember telling him when I left, I was like leading it. And I was like, I'm not going to see this money. He's like, dude, if you win it, you're getting the money. What are you talking about? I didn't win it. But like, he was just, he was a guy that would include people. Yeah. Um, look, the guy, caught, find me a staff ace in any team, in any organization that would catch every ceremonial first pitch. <laughs> the guy caught every one. That he what, wasn't pitching it. That he wasn't pitching yeah. it. I mean, yeah. it, it was like a no-brainer. You, usually you see the 25th man out there. Right. Nope. Mark, well, not Mark Burley. And for the record, when he said, when he called the Twins the SHIT heads, it was in an endearing way. Because they, like, they were just... Com- it was the, like Ozzy saying piranhas. Exactly. Like, that's Ozzy really. It's funny. I, 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 I can see Burley saying piranhas and Ozzy saying the... <laughs> <laughs> Coming up. Oh, we got some good ones. Burley talking about the no-hitter. The perfect game. The play, which was the flip through his legs, his first and only major league home run, and the day in 2007 when he took the mound and almost got traded, and we're going to hear from Mark Burley's dad. Good stuff from Mr. John Burley. That is next. CSN Sports Talk Live podcast brings you the freshest takes and boldest insights on the hottest topics of the day. David Kaplan leads the conversation with a rotating panel of writers, reporters, and personalities. Don't miss a single episode. Subscribe at csnchicago.com slash podcasts today. Down ball. Creedy. Yes! Mark Burley, a no-hitter against the Texas Rangers. There it was, April 18th, 2007. Mark Burley faced a minimum 27 batters in a 6-0 victory over the Rangers. And in typical Burley fashion, he picked off the only hitter he walked, and it was... Sammy Sosa. Sammy I think he Sosa. walked him. If I, I, he walked you and I did the post game that day. He walked him, I think, in the eighth inning. He had a perfect game going late in that game. Yeah. And he walked Sammy and immediately picked him off. But you and I did that post game. No, I didn't. I didn't. You did not. I did not. I was oh. not working that day. I remember being... Wow. I was not. I was at home that day. Turn on the TV, and I my jaw. <laughs> I just assumed like you're at every side. <laughs> no, I, I, I produced that that post game show. I was and not it was just there. Like one of those moments, like, all right, let's go, giddy up, let's let's do this. I did the perfect game. I was at the perfect game. And <laughs> here's some great trivia: Zach Birdie, White Sox. That was a great story. Was at the perfect game. Dan Hayes wrote that today for CSN Chicago. Yeah, I think he got it from me, but anyway. uh, I, I would say a little birdie, <laughs> a little birdie, no pun intended. Told me. <laughs> a little birdie pun intended. Oh yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so here, coming up here, Burley's going to talk about... Uh, Look how giddy we are. This is ridiculous. I this know. is fun. I, I wish Mark was here right now. But uh, <laughs> Mark is, uh, in a way, he is here. Yeah. So uh, he's going to talk about his home run. 
Burley finished his career betting uh, 072 with one home run, three RBIs, two walks, and 58 strikeouts. Just cleared the fence in Miller Park. Yeah. Uh, he's going to talk about how he almost got traded. This story is insane. Insane. Uh, just all the things that happened on the day he took the mound in 2007. And was he going to get traded? Was this going to be his last start? Was he going to sign an extension? One of those three things happened. That and more coming up. Let's hear from Mark. April 18th, 2007, your no-hitter against the Rangers. When did you feel during the game that, hey, you know what, I might do this? Well, for me at this time, it was in the first inning because uh, I think eight to ten starts previous to this this start, I couldn't get out of the first inning without giving up a run or a hit. So uh, it kind of a joke coming off the first inning. Ozzy's over there yelling at me, and I kind of kissed like this and pointed to the sky. And there's pictures out now that, you know, with no hitter picture, and that's it, of that, like it's at the end of the game. But that was actually after the first inning. I was being stupid and having fun with Ozzy. Um, but obviously, as the game goes along, you know, you know, you have some stuff, good, good stuff. But I mean, there's so much stuff that has to happen, uh, you know, for for something like this to happen. And uh, just each inning, as it, each inning went along, you know, you had a better chance. And you were telling everyone during the no hitter, "Hey, I'm throwing the no hitter. Why were you yeah, jinxing I mean, yourself?" First three innings, everybody's talking to you just like it's a normal game. And then as each inning goes along, everybody kind of spreads out more and more on the bench. And it's like you're talking to me before the game. You're talking to me during the first couple of innings. Why, why are you going to change now? So, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't agree or don't uh, understand the whole, hey, this guy's got no hitter. Uh, I mean, you know the guys on the other bench are saying it, trying to, trying to jinx it. So if it's really the case uh, and somebody says it, then it should go up. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe all that. All right, so this is July 7th, 2007. You were trying to sign an extension with the White Sox. Things weren't going so well. They were maybe looking to trade you. People were thinking this might be your last start before possibly getting traded. Is that what you felt this day? No, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I ever felt like it was going to come to an end. Obviously, it's got to someday, but um, just n never know. Uh, I mean, I had family come up here. Mom and dad and brother uh, came up here just for just in case. I think they were reading into a lot of the media and a lot of the uh, – a lot of the paperwork and stuff that uh, you know everybody writes, but I think they were they came up. I think they just drove up just for the start, um, knowing that it could be my last start up here. This was the ovation you got when it was announced to the crowd that you had signed this extension. Was that what did that mean for you, having the fans embrace you like that? It's awesome. I mean, just just before you know, the last couple of starts, I've seen signs you know, all over the place about resign me, and there's Burley chance, and you know, coming off the field, they're playing. There goes my hero, and I mean, it was kind of. Kind of emotional, kind of choked up uh, day. Um, but actually, this this whole game, first couple of innings, I was inside the clubhouse, on and off the phone with my agent, with the White Sox, my wife. Uh, during you know, the game. During the game, we were trying to get stuff worked out. Like, uh, you know, it was you know, White Sox came back, we went back and forth. So I was up there on the phone, uh, you know, trying to trying to get something worked out. And that's during how, the game. I cannot believe you're yeah. doing this. That's how how, you that's do how that? it worked out. And like the fifth inning, they showed me on the on the bench giving hugs, guys. Fifth or sixth inning, they're giving hugs, you know, because. We're trying to get something done, and uh, talking to Rick Hahn, I mean, he said there's was, there was minutes away from being traded, and I mean, I heard so many rumors going certain places. He even told me that uh, I heard a rumor I was going to Boston for Ellsbury and uh, uh, Buckholtz, and he said, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but if that trade was true, I would have been driving you to the airport and dropping you off, because uh, we would have got rid of you in a hurry. But uh, I mean, there were so many rumors going around, and, and everything happened, but obviously I'm you know, glad to sign back. June 14th, 2009, approximately 1.38 p.m. What happened here? A miracle happened. <laughs> uh, 
it's again something I never thought I'd do, especially with the way I swing. Um, I mean, obviously I hit in, in little league and a couple times in high school summer ball, but uh, you know, obviously I haven't picked up a bat since then, so swing's not looking too good. Um, but it's kind of funny here. I when I hit this, I put my head down and started running. I knew I hit it pretty good. How proud are you? You're walking into the dugout. What's everyone saying to you? There, I knew they wouldn't come up there just like you always do. That's why I went underneath and just started dying laughing. Uh, everybody's sitting down. I went inside. A couple, couple people are inside in the in the dugout or in the clubhouse. Um, but yeah, there's AJ. Awesome feeling. Probably will never happen again. All right. So here's July 23rd, 2009. You'd already thrown a no hitter. <clears throat> did you ever think you'd do it again? No, I never thought I'd do it the first time. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of stuff in this game that I thought I'd never do. And I've said never a couple of times, but I, I don't think I can ever say I'm never going to do something because you never know. Um, but obviously coming into this game, I mean, again, everything has to work for you. Like you see a catch by Wise. Did you think it was over? When you first hit it, no. Uh, I mean, if you watch the pitch, I, it was a great pitch. I, I would throw it there every time. Um, I made mistakes in this game, and they, you know, they didn't, uh, they didn't make me pay for. It. Actually, Bartlett on the last out was a hanging changeup. Like that ball should have been crushed. That one shouldn't have been. Um, but obviously, I knew when he hit it, he, he hit it pretty good. And I was just telling myself, you know, you know, if, it, if it's going to be a home run or if it's going to be out of the park, just make sure it's only one or two rows deep because I knew they were going to do everything they could to, to try to preserve the, Did the you perfect game. Did you know that Eric Cooper was the umpire, home plate umpire for the perfect game and the no hit? Afterwards, I don't know what like, coming into this game. Uh, I didn't know until you know people made aware that he was behind home plate for each of them. So, and still to this day, people, anytime he's umpiring, he's behind home plate. They're like, dang it, Burley should be pitching this game. Let's reshuffle the rotations so he can pitch. Do you know what his jersey number is? Fifty-six. What do you think about that? That's crazy. <laughs> uh, I don't. I mean, that's a lot of crazy stuff happens. All right, here we go. Opening day, 2010 versus Cleveland. This is the play. What do you think about this now, you making this play? It hurt pretty bad at first. It hurt? Oh, yeah, I got my leg pretty good. Um, but, you know, after I, I have a tendency to throw everything and anything at, at the ball, uh, just to have it when the ball's come my way. And a lot of times it might get me in trouble. There's going to be guys on, you know, Lexi or somebody might be playing up the middle. Um, if I let it go, it would be an out. But, just have a have a habit of, of knocking it down and you know as I'm running to the ball uh, you know I'm thinking to slide past it and spin and throw I'm thinking I was thinking three different thoughts and that wasn't one of them uh, <laughs> and it just I don't know I mean it just happened when I got over it just happened and I really really when I was running over I thought I had no chance uh, you know knowing it, as I'm running down kind of looking at the timing I figured he's gonna beat it and uh, that, that just happened do you remember the roar of the crowd uh, not not when I was there. I mean, it kind of you don't really. Uh, I don't say you don't pay attention to stuff, but I think it was my leg was hurting pretty bad, uh, and, and rolling and everything else. Not knowing, kind of getting back up and trying to figure out where I was at. Uh, but obviously, I had, when I was walking back out there, yeah, I mean the, the crowd went crazy and I'm watching replays of it. it was pretty awesome. I don't know if that play will ever be repeated. Now we p- pitchers now have something they can go on. They can say, "Oh, Mark Burley did this play. Maybe I can try it." But it's been many years, and no one has done it since. Who? And it was on opening day. Think about <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, right. the play of the year was on the first game of the year. Yes, yes. And I remember, like, will that hold up? And I'm like, how won't it? It's not the play of the year. It's one of the best plays ever. I mean, just the the kick save and a beauty type thing. I mean, off the foot to run, you know, full speed one way, falling the other way, flip it between the legs perfectly to first base. And Paul Konerka, who's who said, you know, he was never expecting it, the only option was to put the hand out. I mean, it's yeah. baseball perfection. That 
five seconds, whatever it was, you could not I mean, create he could, a better yeah. moment. It's like I've, it's funny. I think well, he couldn't do it again. And then I'm like, well, probably, probably like some other way. Yeah. It would just be like one of a kind or very Mark Burley. But you're talking about, and this is going back to the beginning, the 38th round. I mean, I think part of what makes him so beloved is that, you know, he's a feel-good story. Yeah. He wasn't this top overall draft pick that came in and was supposed to be, you know, a Hall of Fame player. No one knew who Mark Burley was. When he came up, I think he was their eighth best, I think he was their eighth rated prospect. He made 36 appearances in the minor leagues. Did you know that? 36. Wow. Think about that. I mean, Zach, or Michael Kopech, you're planning on him making a lot more than 36 appearances. Otherwise, yeah. it's going really well. And he's a 38th rounder, and he did that. 38th rounder. He just flew right through the system. And came up, he came up, that was 1998, he came up and pitched for that team that won, that surprised in 2000, yeah. the kids can play. He came out of the bullpen that year. Wow. Should we bring in John Burley? Oh, f- who's, hey, father knows best, man. So, John, your emotions, knowing that your son is going to have his number retired for, from here to eternity. Wow. Uh, there's only one, uh, one emotion, I guess, that, that was stronger than this one. Uh, and it, believe me, it's, it's, a, it's a close tie. That's when he pitches perfect game. Uh, this this is just unbelievable. Um, you know, we got uh, got the official word today that you know this is going to happen, and uh, it just uh, it just dumbfounded me. I mean, I, I had some I had some knowledge that it was going to happen, but uh, didn't know when. And then uh, Mark sent me the the text today and said it was official that uh, it's going to happen on the twenty fourth. And I, I just sat there in awe. You know, like it's about time I think that there's nothing else he can do to you know, uh, amaze me or, or shock me. And uh, he turns around a little, little nut and uh, does, does something else. So it's great. You know, Mark is a mild-mannered, humble guy. What was his reaction when he found out that the Sox are going to retire his jersey? <laughs> like everything else, he's hoping I don't have to get up in front of the, a bunch of people and talk, <laughs> which, which he knows he probably, you know, he's going to have to say something there at, at the stadium. Uh, you know, I mean, when they have the, uh, the ceremony, so I, you know, he knows he knows that, but uh, he just doesn't want to go into uh, you know a lot of, well, you, you know, Mark. I think everybody knows Mark. They say he's very mild mannered, and he doesn't want to you know get all the notoriety and the uh, just the, the fans that uh, he loves them, but he just doesn't think he deserves uh, the the things, the accolades that uh, has been bestowed upon him over the years, and. Uh, He's just, uh, you know, very mild-mannered about the whole thing, but uh, that's that's Mark. John, you, as years go by, the ability to reflect on things changes, and obviously, Mark's been has been out of Chicago now for a couple of years, and all of the great things that happened to him here, and the way the fans loved him here and continue to love him here, which is, you know, another reason why the jersey's being retired is because of the way the fans reacted to him. Have you been able to process some of the, all of these moments, maybe a little differently? Have you, has your perspective changed a little bit more as Mark got older and obviously is now out of the game with all of the things that he was able to accomplish in his time, not just with the White Sox, but as an entire career? Well, you know, Jack, it's, it's, uh, it's been so hard to, to process everything uh, the way that, it, that it, I guess it should be processed. You know, when I, I sit back and look, uh, or, or you or anyone else, at the Mark's accomplishments, um, it's, it's so hard 
for me to really comprehend that God, you know, he, he really did, you know, he really did that, the, the 18th you know, perfect game. Um, the, uh, the, the awards that he's been you know, bestowed, the, the friends that he's made, the fans that he's, he's pleased, uh, you know, as a, as a dad, uh, it's, you, you, I can't be more proud of him, but it just, you know, to this day, it just still amazes me that he does these, that he's able to do these things. Uh, and, uh, it just, you know, I just, I don't know, I don't know really what else to say, Chuck. I really don't. It was, uh, it was so, so awesome watching him grow up and develop, uh, into a real baseball player while he's with the, uh, White Sox. It's just, just unreal. Do you miss him pitching? I do. I miss him pitching. Uh, I, I miss going to the clubhouse with him. I miss you know the, the people at spring break. Uh, you know, the, it wasn't just fans that that I love. Uh, it was it was the the people behind the scenes. And uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be very honest with you. I've told you before. You know, you're you're one of them. You know, the, the vendors uh, that I got to know over the years. The, the people that worked the the beer sales. You know, just people like that i mean they're family they weren't just they weren't just people doing a job they were family and i got to know each and every one of them and uh you know just when, when you have to leave them it's like, like leaving your family it really bothers you but i've been back to chicago a couple of times and uh you know have the opportunity to uh, check in with them and see them and that, that kind of helps so you know coming back in june is going to be a, a real pleasure for all of us i don't know if anybody had more fun playing the game of baseball than mark burley but who had more fun, Mark playing or you watching? <laughs> uh, I I enjoyed it so much. I, I think I had just as much fun, if not more, watching him. Uh, only because you know, I, I while, I'm, while I'm watching him, I'm I'm looking at the expression on the faces of, of the, the of the crowds, the the little you know the little kids that see him uh, run out and, and slide across the tarp. Uh, you know, when it rained back back in the day. Um, the the adults, you know, when when Mark would get out and do something screwy, you know, joking around, stuff like that, you know, just just the expression on their faces, I knew they enjoyed it, and not a lot of players did that or even do it yet today, but Mark was one of them because he, he he appreciated, you know, the, all the fans were his family, and he wanted to give something back to them, and uh, he's so mild mannered, he just doesn't really into this day. Uh, he was talking about this, not really understanding why. I mean, I think he knows why they want to retire his jersey, but you know, he just doesn't really seem to think that he deserves, you know, to uh, be in that uh, class of twelve or the other eleven, I guess, that uh, uh, warrants uh, this uh, honor. All right, John. One last question, Mark. Mm-hmm. Among other many things, he's known for one is how quick he would pitch, how quick the games went. He had to have learned that from somebody. Did you teach him? <laughs> To pitch fast like he did? Well, I'm going to say yes and no. Mark, Mark's always been one to, I mean, regardless of what, not just baseball, but when he does something, he, he wants to get it done. He's not, he, he does not like to procrastinate and doesn't like the people, doesn't like people that do. And one of his pet peeves was to see somebody get out there, a pitcher, you know, throw a ball. And the catcher throws it back to him. And he walks around the the, the uh, mound and you know uh, scratches himself and readjusts <laughs> his hat and you know <laughs> things like that. Yeah, just uh, he really got to Mark. He didn't like. It. He said, "Let's get the game over with." So, uh, and he was he was elated when he heard uh, MLB is looking at uh, that new uh, intentional walk rule. 
um, he, he was elated the other day when, when he heard what they were thinking about doing. So, uh, you know, with that, so that's, uh, as far as, you know, him pitching fast, I, you know, we, we talked about it when he was younger as he was coming up and he just, uh, he just picked it up. I said, there you go. You know, don't, the, the sooner you get the game over with, the sooner you get home, the sooner you get your ice cream or, you know, get to go out and play whatever, you know, age group he was there. Uh, we, uh, we, we talked about it quite a bit and, uh, I think it, it's, you know, sunk in with a lot of other things. Awesome. That's great stuff. All right. Hey, John, thank you so much. And we will see you June 24th in Chicago for what is going to be a very special day uh, for White Sox fans and definitely for the Burley family. You got it. Okay. So now let's wrap up the podcast with who is going to be getting his jersey retired next. I'm thinking either Ozzy, would it be AJ, 13 or 12? What do you got? I'm forgetting somebody? You hear that silence from me? Yeah. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. I think we've, we've seen, what, three in the past five years? Something like with that, With Frank, yeah. Canerico, and Burley. Yeah. Think about what I just said, though. Frank and Canerico. Frank's the best player in the history of the organization. Canerico is number two behind Frank in most categories. And Mark Burley is one of the best pitchers in the history of the organization. Two of those guys you'd put on your Mount Rushmore if you were doing the White Sox right now. We can argue that's a whole other argument. It's impossible. Chris Sale was on his way. Yeah, yeah. I think he was probably the next guy had he finished his career with the White Sox. But Chris Sale won't be – the 49 won't be retired because, I mean, he did some unbelievable historic things for a franchise. I just don't see, look, part of getting your number retired is that you spend a lot of years here. You Two of those guys, well, uh, I, I was just going to say two of the guys spent their whole career here, but Frank didn't. But, you know, if you're talking about 15, 16, 17-year players here who spent over a decade with a team. That's yeah. hard to do in this era. And right now with the White Sox undergoing a rebuild, how could you possibly have a guy? I mean, I, I guess Ozzy would probably make the most sense. He's the one I think you could have a valid. Like he's the manager who won a World Series. Manager who won a World Series uh, was and a great. Pl- I mean, a great player too. All star, right? Yeah, Gr- a great player, a great manager. Did something nobody else had done in Chicago and combined in you know almost two hundred years. I uh, say he's next. Ozzy went Rookie of the Year, 85. Is that an 85 Rookie of the Year? Uh, wow, you're getting me on this one. I know. I don't think – his numbers weren't great in 85. No, but, I mean, like, he was just good. He was a yeah. – look, the guy played here for a long time. Another lo- – he was a – take the manager part out. Yeah. People loved Ozzy as a yeah. player. That's a guy – uh, the fans loved him. He connected with the fans for a guy who had a language barrier when he came here. And I remember as a kid at Old Comiskey Park, there was two guys that signed every game. They're the Todd Frazier of yeah, the 80s, yeah. Ozzie Guillen and the Pope Don Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the two guys. And you know what? Every time I had a Don Paul and an Ozzie Guillen card yeah. because I knew they were coming out. That's so awesome. Ozzie, yeah, I think Ozzie makes the most sense. I just, it's hard to have your jersey retired. Yeah. I mean, if you go through those 12 guys, those 12 names, and look yeah. at, you're talking about guys in the 1900s. Well, what, what, what Ozzie is different because he played for them for a long time and he managed the one World Series in the last whatever years. I know you love Ozzie. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm all in. I mean, yeah. I just think it's really, really, really hard to re- get your number retired. And it should be. It's, a, it's, it's, it's as close to the Hall of Fame. Like, if you're not a Hall of Fame player, you're basically a Hall of Fame player for an organization. Right. And that's hard to do. I mean, you're talking about, like, the elite of the elite. 
Well, this was fun going down memory lane with Ryan McGuffey here and hearing from Mark Burley and his dad. Um, we don't love the Burleys or anything over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say uh, you could just put a hang a star on June 24th. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll be there. Yeah, we'll be there. We might have like a three-hour-long pregame show for that one, um, although with the way that Burley talks, it might only be a – one minute. I saw somebody ceremony. tweet earlier. It might be like John Greenberg from the Athletics say, like, and the White Sox will honor him by having a 45 second ceremony. <laughs> and that was funny. It wasn't a dig. It was like, in honor of Mark Burley, it'll be quick. Hey, really quickly before we go, one thing that he said that, that John Burley said yeah. that was funny is that he, you know, doesn't want to stand up in front of, and talk in front <laughs> of people. That was why he didn't want to get his jersey number retired. Yeah. I asked Mark during the interview. We didn't run this part about him being in the Hall of Fame, and he said he did not want to go in the Hall of Fame because he didn't want to stand up in front of people and give a speech. Isn't that funny? Because the guy was so personable with the media. Like, he, he, I mean, he I clearly, he may not have liked it, but he was good at it. He was good at it. Whenever I would ask him to do stuff, he usually would say no, or right. like, do you have to? I have to. And then he would always like, say yes. It's going to take three minutes, and then eight minutes later, he's yeah, still he, talking. Yeah, he yeah. was gold. But. but a part of that's relationship, too. I mean, he, he's, there's comfortability with everything. He felt comfortable with certain people, but... I don't think he ever walked away from, you know, a crowd. And anytime he, he addressed the crowd that day, everybody thought he was going to get traded. Yeah. And they, they surprised with the extension. That was a day. I was. There's been emotional days as a White Sox fan. I I was. That was a nervous day. I yeah. I thinking, like, oh, yeah, I don't want yeah, to. It's too early yeah. for him to leave. And yeah. thank God he did. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks everyone for listening to this special Ode to Mark Burley podcast. Have a great weekend if you're listening over the weekend. And we'll talk to you soon. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.